I wonder if you've ever heard people say this. How can a God of love be a God who's also filled with wrath and anger? If he's loving and perfect, he should just forgive and accept everyone. You see, some people find it hard to believe in a God who's filled with wrath and anger. It makes them feel uncomfortable to believe in a God who would actually pour out his anger on people. I mean, that just seems over the top. It sounds like God's being cruel and malicious or vindictive. God just needs to calm down and forgive people. And what's interesting is that some churches find talking about God's wrath so uncomfortable that they deliberately avoid it. Let me give you an example. One church in the Presbyterian Church of USA, they wanted to change the lyrics to the song In Christ Alone, a song that we sing here at Chatswood. They wanted to change the line that says, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. They wanted to change it to, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. The original authors of the song, Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, insisted on keeping the lyrics. So do you know what the church did? Well, they removed it as one of the songs that they would sing at church. For many people, and for some churches even, talking about God's anger is uncomfortable. Well, what about you? How do you feel about God's anger? Do you feel uncomfortable about God being angry? I mean, the stuff we do is small, really, isn't it? Isn't God so big that he can handle it? I mean, he's the God of the universe, after all. That just seems off-putting that God could be angry. Well, friends, do you remember what we're up to in John's vision? Jesus called John up into heaven. There, John sees God, seated on his throne in all his glory, surrounded by all his entourage of angels and creatures, Remember how John sees a scroll in God's hand, sealed with the seven seals. No one can open it, but Jesus comes and takes the scroll, which shows God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation from Jesus' ascension until his second coming. Uh, And we saw the unfolding of God's uh, judgment on this world in the last couple of months. Uh, We've seen these cycles of judgment that fit into this period. I remember how we saw the different angles of God's judgment, the, the different replays. We, we saw the seven seals. We saw the seven trumpets and the warnings of judgment. And now, next in John's vision, we're going to see the last of the seven cycles of judgment. We're going to see the seven bowls of God's wrath. We're going to see the seven angels with the seven last plagues. Look with me from chapter 15 and verse 1. Page 874 in the small print and 1929 in the big print. Chapter 15 and verse 1. I saw in heaven another great and marvellous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. So we see the seven angels with the seven last plagues. But John in the vision sees something else. He sees the Christians. They're gathered around a sea of glass burning with fire. And notice what they're doing. They're singing a song of victory. They're not embarrassed about God's anger. They're not uncomfortable about it. They're saying that God is great. The saints in heaven who didn't compromise on their faith, 
They love God for his anger. They praise God for his justice and his holiness. Verse 2. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire. Standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And now John gets a vision of the temple inside heaven, uh, the place where God is dwelling. And he sees seven angels with the seven plagues again. And then he sees one of the four living creatures. Uh, Remember the living creatures that we saw earlier in Revelation. They're like God's entourage who sit around God's throne praising him. One of these four creatures gives a bowl to each of the seven angels. And the bowl is filled with the wrath of God. Now in the Old Testament, the cups of God's wrath were symbols of his judgment. So here we get this image of the seven angels. They're holding these big bowls of God's anger and judgment. They're about to pour it out. God is getting ready to pour out his anger, his judgment, to show his justice. And nothing's going to stop this from happening. In fact, no one's going to be allowed in God's temple until these plagues are poured out. Chapter 15 and verse 5. After this, I looked, and in heaven the temple, that is, the tabernacle of the testimony, was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. And then John hears a loud voice from the temple, like a king who sends out his army to war. God sanctions his angels to pour out the seven bowls of wrath. Here we see God's anger being poured out. And much of the imagery is what we've already seen in the trumpet judgments. They're like the plagues also that God sent in the Exodus. But here we see something different we see the full effect of God's judgment. In the trumpet judgments, the plagues only affected a third, a third of the earth, a third of the sea, a third of the water. But the judgments here are total. So the first angel pours it out on the land and sores break out on people. Not on everyone, but only to those who have the mark of the beast on them. Uh, This is like the boils that the Egyptians suffered from in the sixth plague. The second angel pours it out on the sea. And just like the first plague in the Exodus story, the sea turns into blood so that everything in the sea dies. And then John sees the third angel. The angel pours out God's wrath on the rivers and springs of water, and they turn into blood. Chapter 16 and verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bow on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bow on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, 
and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. So the angels pour out God's anger on the land, the sea, and the rivers. And notice what happens now. John hears the angel praising God for his justice. The angel isn't uncomfortable with God's anger. No, the angel is over the moon, praising God for his holiness, praising God for his justice, and for punishing those who've shed the blood of Christians. See, this is not a malicious act from God. These people deserve what they get, and they're going to drink the blood of God's judgment. Verse 5. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged, for they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And then John hears another voice, this time from heaven, from God's altar, probably the Christians in heaven. And they're not uncomfortable with God's anger. No, they confirm what the angels said. God is righteous in his anger. God is righteous in his judgment. Verse 7, And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So you can see the first three plagues are poured out on the land and the sea and the rivers. And it's a demonstration of God's just anger. And then next in the vision, John sees the fourth angel. The fourth angel pours out his bow on the sun and the sun is given power to burn and scorch the people. Then John sees the fifth angel who pours out his bow on the throne of the beast. Uh, This is the beast which we saw early in Revelation, referring to the kingdoms of the world. Uh, Just like the darkness that God put over Egypt in the plagues, the kingdom of the beast here is put in darkness. And again, God's just anger is enacted. God's anger is rightly falling on rebellious people. These people are stubborn and hard-headed. They're just like Pharaoh was in Egypt. They know that God's in control, but notice how they respond. They hate God's anger. They don't want to repent. Instead, they shake their fist at God and curse him. Look with me from verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. So you can see again God's just anger falling on rebellious people. Next in the vision, John sees the sixth angel. The sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates so that the water dries up. And these kings from the east are able to walk through it. Now, there's a lot of uh, opinion about who these kings from the east are, but the point is this. They're the enemies of God. And these kings are all gathered up by these demons. Uh, They're gathered up by these three spirits that come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Uh, Remember, the dragon is the seven-headed dragon of chapter 12, uh, the devil. The beast is the beast out of the sea we saw in chapter 13, the kingdoms of the world. And the false prophet is the beast out of the earth. 
Now, these three spirits represent the false trinity. And they're sent out by Satan to entice the kings to battle God on Judgment Day. Verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bow on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. So you can imagine this great day of battle. It's like, it's like the uh, last battle scene in The Return of the King, The Lord of the Rings. There's this massive showdown. On one side, you've got Aragorn and his army, and on the other side, you've got Sauron and his orcs, tens of thousands gathered here. They're going to be gathered to a place called Armageddon, a symbolic name of this great day of battle when God will have victory over his enemies once and for all. And it's at this point that John hears a warning from Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. And so the Christians need to be alert to stay awake and make sure they're ready and not get caught out. Verse 15. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. And then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. And then John sees the seventh angel. The last bowl of wrath is poured out into the air, and everything builds up and climaxes in this last plague, because this is the final judgment day. See, the first six bowls represent the time of Jesus' ascension until his return. But in this bowl, final judgment has come. And the imagery we get, it's like total chaos, like those movies you watch and where the cars are flying in the air and buildings are collapsing, people are running around everywhere. John hears a loud voice from the throne. It's probably from God himself saying, it is done, it is finished. And the effect of God's judgment is so great here that islands and mountains can't be seen anymore. Hail is used to destroy the people. And again, God's just anger, God's just judgment is falling on rebellious people. These people hate God's anger. They refuse to repent and curse him. Verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bow into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a 100 pounds each fell upon men. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail. Because the plague was so terrible. So you can see with the last plague that God's judgment day will finally come. God will have victory over his enemies. God's demonstration of his just anger will be finally revealed. It's a pretty scary passage, don't you reckon? This is a vision of God pouring out his anger on this earth. This is the God of the universe who sits on his throne and sanctions his army of angels to pour out his wrath until it's completed. 
The seven angels who are given seven bowls of God's wrath are told to pour out the bowls of God's wrath on earth. The first three bowls are poured out on nature, affecting the land, the sea, and the waters, showing God's just anger. Bowls four and five are poured out on the sun in the throne of the beast, showing God's just anger on stubborn and rebellious people. These people hate God's anger. The sixth bowl is poured out on the Euphrates River, making way for the kings of the world and God's enemies who rally up to fight him. And the seventh bowl is poured out into the air and its final judgment day, when the fullness of God's anger will be finally revealed. So can you see what we learn in this passage? Uh, Just like the cycles of judgment that we saw in the last couple of months, here we get a different angle on what is happening from the ascension of Jesus until his second coming. And what we see in the passage is this. God is pouring out his anger on this world. God is pouring out his anger on the rebellion of people who are against him. The world is in the state it is, the suffering and pain and death that you see in the world. It's because God is angry. God is rightly pouring out his anger and judgment. And it's a demonstration of his justice. God is not being malicious or vindictive. His judgment is warranted. But did you notice in this passage how different people respond to God's anger? You see, the saints in heaven, they praise God for his anger. When they sing the song of God's victory, they're praising God for pouring out his judgment. They're not uncomfortable with God's anger. Same with the angels. They praise God for his anger and judgment. All throughout the passage, who are the people who hate God's anger? Bowl four is poured out on the sun and the people are scorched and they curse God. Bowl five is poured out on the throne of the beast and the people curse God. Bowl six, people rally up to war against God. And bowl seven, people, final judgment comes and the people curse God. See, the people that hate God's anger are his enemies. So it makes you wonder, whose side are we on? When you think about it, the way we feel about God's anger actually puts us more in line with the enemies of God. Why is that? Is it because we're we're so caught up in this world that we're not on God's team? Is it because we're so caught up in the 21st century of North Shore Sydney that we don't feel God's anger? We don't feel God's anger at the injustice of a world who takes all he gives, but yet rejects him. I wonder if we need to reconsider our view of God's anger and love him for it. Love him for his truth, his justice, and his goodness. But you know, having said that, of course, the big idea is this. If God is really this angry, as we see in today's passage doesn't matter how we feel about it in the end. What we need to do is escape God's anger. Because what we see in the world now is not even the end of it. The full scale of God's anger is still to come on Judgment Day. And so we need to escape God's anger. And the only way we can do that is to trust in Jesus. 
in the middle of a, a raging bushfire, like those bushfires that happened on Black Saturday back in 2009. There's panic, chaos, destruction, fear, confusion, death, and only one sure place of safety. The place of safety is where the fire has already burnt. Because it can't burn there twice. Friends, the place of safety from God's final wrath is the place where it has already been burnt. And that place is Jesus. Jesus took upon himself the fury of God's wrath when he died on the cross for our sins. And when you think about that, God is not vindictive at all. In fact, that is the ultimate demonstration of his justice, of his love and his mercy. Uh, One of the early Christian martyrs was a man called Polycarp. He was a bishop of a church in Smyrna, and he was a disciple of John, uh, the John who wrote this book of Revelation. And there's a story about his martyrdom that's been recorded. And in the story, Polycarp, uh, at this point, he's about 86 years old. He's taken to the proconsul of the Romans, and the Romans take him in, interrogate him, interrogate him in front of a big crowd. And there's this exchange that happens between uh, this proconsul and Polycarp. The proconsul tried to have Polycarp give up on his faith, give up on Jesus. And this is how the exchange goes. Have respect for your old age and swear by Caesar. Reproach Christ and I'll set you free. Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my saviour? I have wild animals here. I will throw you to them if you do not repent. Call them. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. If you despise the animals, I will have you burned. You threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and is then extinguished but you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. And so the story goes that Polycarp was burnt at the stake. This is a man who took Jesus' command to heart. Polycarp was prepared for whatever that would come, knowing that the safest place for him was standing in the place where God's wrath already burnt. On Jesus. Friends, can you say that about yourself? Are you prepared? Are you standing firm in your faith and not compromising, even in the pressure of this world that's telling us to give up on Jesus? Are you being faithful to Jesus? Like the saints who stand beside the sea in John's vision in chapter 15, verse 2. I love this image. Standing victorious over the beast, singing and praising God for his justice. Watching as God pours out his anger and judgment on the earth. Friends, what an awesome picture of the security we already have. That we'll be standing on the sidelines to see the sea of glass. Watching on because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. The wrath of God was satisfied. Friends, this is something we don't want to miss out on. Let's make sure that we stand by Jesus, come what may. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, when we look at the state of the world and the way we live, we know how far short we fall of your standard. And because of this, we deserve your anger and your judgment. Yet even in your mercy and your kindness to us, you sent Jesus to die for us. Thank you so much that he paid the penalty, that he took the wrath so that we didn't. Help us to stick to Jesus in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.